that guy is such a clown. He's so phony and he's so soft. And I'm glad that that's not the top of our leadership right now, man. It's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 95, the John Daly edition of the podcast. Why John Daly? Well, he's my all-time favorite athlete, and he won the 1991 PGA Championship as a ninth alternate. Think about that. He was the ninth alternate to get into a major championship. And having never seen the course, he drove overnight, and he wins the tournament. How on earth did eight guys who weren't initially into the event all decline to play a major? It's crazy. Anyway, after being golf's bad boy and winning in 1992 and 1994, he entered the 1995 Open Championship with nobody thinking he'd win. Sure enough, Big John won his second career major, holding off a furious finish by Costantino Roca to win in a playoff. His wild career is chronicled super well in the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary, Hit It Hard, plus his book, My Life in and Out of the Rough, is amazing also. I got to meet him years ago at his course in Niagara, Thundering Waters, and it was everything I'd hoped. Dude is an incredible talent and quite literally the greatest athlete in the history of the universe. Recently, he had a top 10 on the Champions Tour, and he's been kicking footballs barefooted with his left foot to make 50-yard field goals, plus throwing a first pitch in a Cardinals game and wailing it into the catcher. My next guest absolutely hates golf with a fiery passion, which I'm sure to bring up with him just to rib him a little bit. However, those other two sports I mentioned in football and baseball, he's a huge fan. And like Daly, he's a massive Dallas Cowboys supporter. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on George Nasios, who is also on episode 74. I met him close to two decades ago while we worked at TSN. <laughs> I know, they're really dating us. Uh, eh? and he's also a colleague of mine for the website sportsbettingdime.com. Plus, he's a hotshot mortgage agent. George is a gargantuan Leafs, Cowboys, and baseball fan, and quite possibly might be the biggest golf aficionado, good word, of all <laughs> time. Welcome back to the H-Dog Pod, George. Thanks for having me again, uh, Mike. Um, I appreciate it, man. <laughs> well, it should be a should be a good chat. Uh, okay, obviously. Yeah, I'm sure. I think the golf combos are probably going to be limited, but like we'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah, you obviously aren't a golf guy, but so we won't discuss the Solheim and Ryder Cups. But I did have the shock of my life uh, bumping into you on the golf course the other week. That, I was like, what? George golfs? That was unreal. Well, I wouldn't say I golf. I say... I go out there and I try to play golf. Uh, obviously, I didn't play for years. I tried it when I was younger. I'm like, this game's frustrating. It's not for me. I can't like run harder, hit harder, swing harder to do anything better. It's just too frustrating. So I didn't play for about 15 years. Then during the pandemic, there's been a lot of stuff to do. And I'm like, why don't I start picking up this again? So I think I played that first year of COVID. I probably played like seven times. And the last couple of years, I played three, four times. So um, I believe I shot 134 at Deer Creek that day. And we grabbed a beer after. And you and uh, Scully were talking about shooting, uh, breaking 80. So um, I don't think I'll be in your foursome any time soon. That won't be a lot of fun for you. But I'm trying, man. 
It was unbelievable, yeah. So uh, you know, I saw George, or I didn't know at the time it was him. I just saw someone driving at me in the parking lot with a cart, and I was like, oh, it must be Scully. And then I was like, no, no, that's not him. And then like, what on earth? This guy, out of absolute, uh, out of left field, uh, it was just so, so funny. And yeah, you're also a crafty lefty as well, which is uh, very, very fascinating to me. Yeah. How random is it? You were in the group right behind my group. I think we were 1110 and you guys were 1120. It's just the randomness of life sometimes is insane, man. Yeah, so, so funny. Yeah. And also, yeah. we, uh, Scully and I on the 16th Green were talking about another guy, Sean Mann, who we hadn't seen in a few years. And all of a sudden, he was in the parking lot when we were done the round and we talked to him for a while. It's just like, what? It, this is just totally randomly bizarre with all this stuff. So, very crazy. Very funny. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Well, another shocker for me was uh, when I went, uh, of course, when I met you at TSN in 2006, and you hated golf. Like I, I was like, who hates golf? Uh, yeah, yeah. Talk, talk us about a little uh, trip down memory lane with your with your boy, Stephen Ames. Oh, yeah. So um, I guess I was out of the guys that were doing highlight packs, which is, you know, writing the script and putting um, picking select highlights to go to air. Um, I was one of the... I guess top guys at that point, I'd been with TSN for a couple of years. So I was kind of like on the cusp of getting promoted to another job where you don't do highlight packs anymore. But as one of like the top guys, you do all the big events. So, um, which I love sports. I love every sport like hockey, baseball, basketball, football. I have no problem doing anything for those ones. Even if it's tennis, I follow tennis, um, golf, and car racing out of the big sports, any like F1 or NASCAR or golf, I have always had very little interest in. Got a little bump when Tiger got came on the scene and he was so young and he won that Masters. That was cool, but was never really interested. Don't follow it. Don't know the players. Don't know what they did last week. And um, the one of the biggest packs, highlight packs of that day was going to be the Players' Championship, which is not a major, but... It, Correct me if I'm wrong. It's kind of like the fifth unofficial major. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Ames, Canadian, was very near or at the lead, atop uh, the leaderboard on the final day on the Sunday. So the producer, um, you know, knows I'm one of the top, uh, shout out Sophie Colius, knows I'm one of like the, I guess, top people there. And she assigns me this pack, probably having no clue. I have zero. Less than zero interest in golf. Um, this was also a Sunday, as all like almost all final golf majors are, unless they get delayed due to rain. So this is a Sunday, a 12 to 8 shift. I'm 24 years old. This is after a Saturday night of quite heavy drinking. Um, you know, it's uh, I didn't start till noon, but I'm not like 100% there. But like I could pull off any pack. But when it's a sport, you don't know. Quite a bit more difficult. So I needed somebody to help me anyway. I was going to get try, And I think we just kicked off a conversation. And I'm like, you like golf, bro? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. I'm like, do you really love it? He's like, oh, yeah. Are you doing that? And you started talking about the Players' Championship and all this golf stuff. I'm like, buddy, do you have anything to do? Like, did Sophia sign you anything? You're like, no, I'm just going to help clip. I'm like, you're going to clip for me. Is that cool? He's like, you're like, yeah, I can't wait. And you were so excited to do it. And so I told Sophie, I'm going to get this intern. He really likes golf and he seems really smart. I'm going to get him to help. She's like, yeah, yeah, totally. Of course. And then we were going through the pack and I'm like, I don't even know what shots to put in. Obviously I know to focus on aims. I just know the one thing with golf highlight packs is don't show a bunch of putts, mm -hmm. which is like, 
what I had done previously in golf packs. And I'm like, I'm like, what do you think of this one? And you're like, oh yeah, that's a great approach shot to put in. I'm like, approach shot. And you're using things like, oh yeah, you, you put it right on the dance floor. I'm like, is that something you'd write? Is that like jargon? Or is that something where you just being like goofy and funny? You're like, no, 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 people love that type of thing. And I wrote and did this pack and Ames ended up winning. And at the end of that day, all these like guys were coming up to me and being like, even Sophie came out of the control and she's like, outstanding highlight pack. And I'm like, and that was like the beginning of a beautiful friendship between me and you because you uh you saved my ass. Sorry for you saved my ass that day, brother. And, uh, without you, I would have been kind of screwed. Oh man! Well, yeah, I was uh, of course loved golf. I loved that right away when I started as an intern in uh, January '06. There, yeah, I, very quickly I became sort of the golf guy there and found my niche when a lot of people didn't want to do it. So I was absolutely perfect to sort of get that in right away and then obviously uh yeah now i'm a grizzled veteran back then i was a young pup but uh man the years fly by uh yeah that was uh, quite the introduction and i'm glad i was able to help you out for that uh no they no do question. fly by I, li- I like to refer to those as the good old days man <laughs> yeah the good old days okay okay so let's go from a sport uh, like you said golf you're not a huge uh uh fan of to one i know you absolutely love specifically the the, the, the dallas cowboys so we're recording this before week four and after yes. the first two weeks, the Cowboys were looking absolutely incredible, uh, winning their two, uh, their first two games. And then out of nowhere, they lose uh, to and lay an egg against Arizona. What on earth happened? Yeah, well, there's a couple of things not to make. I'm not going to make excuses. They should have won that game. You can't. I mean, they didn't win the first two games. They dominated. Mm-hmm. Just straight dominated. Obviously, we lost our number one cornerback, Trayvon Diggs, for the rest of the year. Um, so... He got tore his ACL in uh, practice last week, so... We're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. That didn't help matters. Uh, now Stephon Gilmore becomes our top corner, and you bring in a guy like Deron Bland who fills in or is a nickel. So that didn't help the coverage with the defense, but um, we got our defense got rain on. Cars ran for over 200 yards on us, so that was what really hurt us. So there's no excuse there. And then what I didn't know until right at game time, I was expecting maybe one of our offensive linemen to miss the game, but we had 60% of our starting O line out. So that also didn't help. And yeah, right off the bat, Josh Dobbs had a huge like 40 yard carry, I think, like on their first or second offensive possession of the game. And yeah, it was just very disappointing because Arizona is a terrible team. They are terrible. I, I, you know, I, I think they're in the Caleb Williams, like they should lottery, you know, they should be focusing on that because they've looked terrible and that's an embarrassing loss. And another thing I'll say, and I've seen you, I didn't listen to it yet, but I've seen you like talk about how, uh, another colleague of us, a former colleague of mine at TSN, Chris Amberley and at SBD current colleague, Former Mike McCarthy guy, because he's a Packers fan. You said, I think he, he's starting to come around on Mike McCarthy. Is, uh, is that something you said or something you guys talked about in that podcast? Or? No, that was absolutely me just being completely sarcastic because sarcastic. he does not love Mike McCarthy at all. And then he texted me, in fact, after that game and basically was like, see, told you, Mike McCarthy always finds okay, a way to lose games he shouldn't. Let me tell you about this guy who I know you're a fan of and I am not a fan of. And if he was a coach of your team, I don't think you'd be a fan of. <laughs> First of all, I think him taking over the offense, his play calling, his play calling's good when 
his feet are to the fire. He is a terrible clock manager, and he's a terrible decision maker in big moments. So we were down two scores, the Cowboys, in that game. Just over seven minutes left. We got all three of our timeouts, but it's a two-score game. They've run us to hell in this game. They've run the ball down our throats. So you know they get the ball back. They're going to be running the ball because they want to get the clock down, one thing. And second of all, they've had a lot of success. What would you do as a coach? Would you call a majority of pass plays? Just over seven minutes left, you need two scores. Or would you be like running the ball a lot in that situation? Yeah, you might want to uh, pass the ball and be able to you know, get chunk plays, that's for sure. Hound Dog, he ran the ball seven times on the drive. Oh, wow. He ran Tony Pollard four or five times in a row at one point. Like, first of all, this is Tony Pollard's like first full year as like, the number one, no doubt, running back. Running a guy, any back, four or five times in a row, is he gets tired. He doesn't have to push. Yeah, maybe you're pushing their defensive line, but like you're running the ball seven times on a drive when you need the clock. What are you doing? You're wasting 30 seconds automatically per play. That takes That's three and a half minutes right there. You're cutting the clock to three and a half minutes yourself. And then he threw the ball when he had no option. And Dak got picked in the end zone. And everybody and their grandmother knew he was th throwing the ball there because he had to. What are you doing, man? Do you know how to... And this is the same coach that we lost the playoff game because he thought he had time to run an extra play. I'm sure everybody oh, remembers yeah. that. He, Dak did the off in time. Yeah, where you did this QB sneak type thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, everybody ran to the line and Dak couldn't get the ball off in time. The officials caught... Called the game. We were a second or two seconds too late. I don't think he's a terrible coach. I'm not going to say he's a terrible coach. I don't see... I have Super Bowl aspirations for this team. We have the best defensive player in the league. Micah Parsons is an absolute beast. Mm -hmm. He is a beast. And I've loved defensive players before on my team. I love DeMarcus Ware. I loved Roy Williams as a safety. I loved primetime when he was a corner in the 90s for the Cowboys. We've had awesome defensive players. This guy is on another level. He is an absolute beast. So, and Dan Quinn, as I'm sure you know, is a like great, great defensive coordinator. I like our offense. I think this team's got Super Bowl aspirations. I don't see him leading us to a Super Bowl. So it, got, it might perhaps go back. You were saying they, of course, ran the ball a bunch of times and then got picked off in the end zone. Of course, a previous podcast guest, uh, Spiros Karadakis, fellow Greek, has said <laughs> many times about Dak Prescott that he doesn't have a, a, a great arm and you know he's not very good. They shouldn't be, they shouldn't be overpaying him, et cetera, et cetera. Does it come down to the fact that you simply just don't think Dak Prescott can get it done and doesn't have a good enough arm maybe? It's a fair look. It's a fair question. I don't know about the arm. I think he's got a good arm. I don't. I don't think he's like Josh Allen. I'm not putting him in like having the best, but I think he's got an above average arm for like uh, NFL quarterbacks. Look, he threw a lot of picks last year. Obviously, that pick was the end of the game this week because they got the ball back with three minutes left, and we needed two scores. The game's done. Having said that, that's the only pick he's thrown so far this year. You know, he did have a serious injury, although he's a couple of years removed from that now that like he had to get over. What are the other? My question is, like, what are the other options? Is that an elite quarterback in the NFL? No. Is he a top 10 quarterback? I'd say, um, so. I'd, I'd say maybe he's on the cusp of 10 or right around 9, 10. And I'm not saying if you ask Cowboys fans, I think if you ask generic NFL fans, 
where they'd rack Dak Prescott. He's definitely in the top 15, unless you hate the guy. If you don't think he's in the top 15, you hate him because he's definitely in the top 15. I'd say he's around, you could make a debate whether he's in the top 10. Um, I'd say top 10, yeah. He's not elite. Uh, He's not in like one of those elite guys. I'm not putting him with Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Um, You know what I mean? I think like, what are your options here? Like who has, you know, I look at Matt Stafford and I think that Super Bowl win just gave him so much more credibility. Before Matt Stafford won the Super Bowl, I mean, he's obviously more of a gunslinger, has a better arm, but he doesn't, you know, he's not as shifty or he can't scramble as much as Dak, but would you say he was like comparable to Dak before he got that Super Bowl win? That's a, it's a that's a very good comparable certainly and because he hadn't won in, in Detroit for all those years it was like oh right. you know of course some of the fans oh it's, it's it's Stafford's fault no it was never Stafford's fault clearly he wasn't the issue there it was several other issues around the team of course in Dak's situation the rest of the team around him is really really fantastic so it certainly yeah. is a, you know pretty much a year you know put up or shut up type of thing I think I'd say. Yeah, you know, the one difference, though, I'd say between the Cowboy, what, you're right, uh, Stafford didn't have, a, I mean, he had Megatron for years, which Megatron's probably one of the greatest receivers ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he didn't have quite as many off- options on offense, and their D can't be at any time, probably couldn't be compared to this current Cowboys D. But you know what he did have when he went to LA? He did have all that stuff, and he had a guy who I think is... One of the best coaches in the league and definitely the best young coach in the league in Sean McVay. Yeah, I think that guy is a phenomenal coach. And if you ask me what I want Sean McVay, if you ask 100 NFL fans, do you want Sean McVay or Mike McCarthy coaching your team? How many do you think would pick McVay out of 100? I think uh, most everyone would agree. Everyone would say Pete Carroll. <laughs> yes, I'm kidding. Sean McVay, obviously. Yes, no question. Yeah, I think like um, probably 90 or more would pick McVay. Yeah, absolutely. that guy's an unbelievable coach. Mm-hmm. So, look, it's a fair, fair question about that. Can he lead a team to a Super Bowl? I don't know. He's barely led them to playoff wins, right? Um, he hasn't led them to an NFC Championship game. So until you get that, and he's coming off a year where he threw a, sh- a ton of picks. I think he led the NFL in picks, and he missed four games. So, um. He's got questions to answer, but uh, I think so far so good. Bad pick at the end of the game last week. Keep in mind, they were missing 60% of their starting offensive linemen, and McCarthy could have thrown the ball a lot more in that drive earlier to have the defense thinking, whereas at that point in the game where Dak had to throw, maybe they could have run, run, ran it because they had an extra minute or two on the clock, but he already ran the clock down so so much. So I don't like the combination we don't have Tom Brady and we don't have Sean McVay or Bill Belichick. We've got Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy, but I like Dak. Are there better quarterbacks out there? Yes. Are there a ton? I don't think so. Is he overpaid? I mean, the way all these quarterbacks got new deals this year, I think he's paid fairly. Mm-hmm. It's always tough. Uh, you know, when the, with quarterbacks, to, you know, you could say, oh, you can just draft a first-round quarterback, but then you could get Mac Jones, who's sort of the jury's still out, or the quarterback the, um, the Niners traded three first-rounders for, uh, Dallas just traded for Trey Lance. There's no guarantee that a first-round quarterback is just going to be amazing. So it is a sort of a weird spot to be where you're around the top 10, you know, pretty darn good, like sort of a Kirk Cousins or a Dak Prescott or, you know, these quarterbacks that are you know, pretty damn good but not amazing, and it's kind of a tough spot to be in. But uh, – you know, 100%, I agree with you. And conversely to that, 
You could draft a guy as the last pick of the draft that San Francisco did to trade their first rounder, third overall pick trade lands, in Brock Purdy, who hasn't lost a start in the regular season. I think he's 10 and 1. I think he's 10 and 1 for his career, including the playoffs. And that one game he lost, he broke his elbow in the first quarter. Yeah. He couldn't even throw the ball. So in games when in games where he could throw the ball, the guy's 10 and 0. Yeah, he's uh, unfortunately great. That's what's so horrible and horrifying to me. The, the Niners completely whiffed on Trey Lance, and you'd think hopefully that would set the franchise back a few years, and then unfortunately they get Brock Pur- Purdy that falls into their, into their lap, and Kyle Shanahan, speaking of another really good coach, uh, you know, is able to coach him up, and now, uh, you know, now great they're coach. looking good. Outstanding team. That team's won with every quarterback anyway. Garoppolo, they were winning. They are I mean, and I don't know what you think. In, in, in my eyes, they're the favorites right now. Yeah. I think the jury's still out a bit with some people on Purdy because he's just so raw. But based on what he's done, you really can't question him. But I think that's basically the only question mark with that team. I don't see anything else. And um, getting back to Dak, is he overpaid? I know he was like the highest paid or second highest paid when he signed his deal. But you know the way quarterbacks are, the most recent quarterback is the most overpaid one. He's down to 10th in average annual salary right now. Oh, is he really? I didn't even realize. I, I knew he yeah. was given a lot of money, but I didn't realize he was 10th now. Wow. Yeah. So it'll be interesting. I think his contract comes up for renegotiation, renegotiation after next season. So these are definitely put-up-or-shut-up years for him, like you said. So, um, But I like the guy. Overall, I like the guy. I don't like McCarthy as the head coach. Would I like Patrick Mahomes to be my quarterback? Damn right. But <laughs> yeah. I don't think I don't think Dak Prescott is a bad option. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's got to prove it, though. He's got to prove it. No doubt about that. Uh, well, to another uh, part of the NFL, the, perhaps the lighter side, I'm sure you are so, so stoked about this, obviously. How uh, thrilled are you that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are now an item? You must just be so psyched. I mean... <laughs> such a joke man it's it's like i mean i'm not a swifty i can hardly name any of her songs i know she's like what is she like the highest selling artist i couldn't name Um, one no attractiveness wise i mean i'm i don't think she's ugly i I don't think there's anything special about her i don't see like i think his last girlfriend was a lot hotter than, than uh taylor swift but i guess he's getting a lot of media attention for this getting a lot of clicks getting a lot more followers on instagram i don't know i don't even know about this relationship man we'll see how it lasts i think travis kelsey's a clown i mean i think he's a bit i think the sideshow's getting a big bit too big i kind of feel sorry for patrick mahomes best best start to a career of any quarterback ever i think the guy's incredible he's Mm -hmm. so fun to watch but he's got a lot of sideshows around him is his brother's obviously, um, you know, obviously a bit of a donkey. I shouldn't say a bit. His brother's a donkey. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been involved with a ton of stuff over the last couple of years that is uh, not very good for his image. A lot of people are not very fond of Mahomes' wife. And Kelsey is just like, he seems like a sideshow right now. You know what I mean? He's an unbelievable player. Like, I don't think he's an amazing blocker, but as a pass catcher, I mean, he's he's absolutely incredible. Can't take anything away from it. But I don't I don't think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl this year, man. I think there's too many sideshows going on. I don't even know if they'll, I don't even know if they'll make the Super Bowl. So 
I don't know who I'd pick to upset them from the AFC at this point, but I don't think uh, I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl. I don't even think they'll get there. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl? Say Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. Say uh, say say Geno Smith. Uh, and the Seahawks. I, I, what's going on there, man? Two and one, baby. They're they're the the raw Are you optimistic? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I said at the start of the year. I think they're going to win ten games, ten and seven, and maybe win one playoff game. Then probably lose. Uh, that's my sort of expectation. And then I'm I'm thinking next year is the potential. Well, hopefully the potential year of, of being legitimately having a chance to win a, a Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, the first half against, or sorry, the second half against the Rams, Week One was absolute dumpster fire. I think they might have uh, had like four yards of total offense or something horrific. Did you like see that. the play? Did you see the play? I think Gino was mic'd up where the refs mic caught it, where Aaron Donald was bull rushing him, and he's like, oh no, oh no, oh no. <laughs> And he just threw the ball away. Yeah, well, actually, yeah, he's like, oh my god! But apparently, yeah, actually, oh my god, oh my god, yeah. Apparently, it wasn't him. He said, uh, I, I saw an interview with him uh, this week. He's like, I'm not going to name who it was on my team who said that, but it was actually somebody else who allegedly said that. And then, oh, the, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. And then the following week against the Lions, one of the most atrocious intentional grounding calls you'll ever see. Absolutely horrific, horrific call. And uh, so he was like pleading to the referee, like, no, no, it was just um, Tyler Lockett ran the wrong route. Like, no, 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 not at all. And then the the referee uh, basically was like, no, hold on, Gino, I'm talking to America here, which was really funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did see that. I did see that. Yeah. Very entertaining. But also, you were saying about the Cowboys losing three of their offensive linemen. I think Seattle had four of their offensive linemen out for their game against the Panthers. And unbelievably the last two games, I think they've only given up two sacks. It's I, I, I'll admit, I did not think their backup tackles would be able to uh, hold up like this. So, wow. Uh, it's uh, they've, they found a way and uh, you know, Arizona, obviously going into the year, everyone thought it was going to be horrible. They've actually been relatively competitive, but certainly, yeah, it, any given week, any team can win, but yeah, that, that Cowboy loss was a surprise, but uh yeah, hopefully the Seahawks can keep it going. I think they'll win 10 games, perhaps more. But, yeah, they have a horrible stretch in November. I think it goes like Rams, 49ers, Cowboys, 49ers, Eagles. I'm pretty sure it is. So. Oh, wow. That is rough. I mean, obviously, you're asking me, who do I think will win the Super Bowl? It's tough to go against the 49ers right now, in my, in my yeah. opinion. I just think they have. I mean, they lost in the NFC Championship last year. They had no quarterback. I mean, Brock Purdy couldn't throw the ball, and jo- was it Josh Johnson came in and he got he got knocked out. He couldn't even stand. So they had Brock Purdy basically throwing five yard passes or underhand because he couldn't even throw the ball. They changed the rules this year, right? Now, so you could carry a third quarterback because yeah. that was such a. And I think they're. I mean, through three games, they have zero holes. So I mean, you you know that team very well. They're they're in your division. That's a scary team. Yeah. Yeah. AFC, I don't, I really don't know at this point. You know, unfortunately, I love watching Tua play. I think he's awesome. I think he's been underrated, but I just think he's going to get hurt again. I hope he doesn't, and that sounds terrible to say that. I think, I think he's going to get hurt again. I don't want to say that, but the guy just can't stay healthy. Unfortunately, until you play a season healthy, you know, you can't count on it. Like, but Miami's look. I mean, sorry to our other friend Eric Rosales, but who <laughs> puts up seventy points? Wow, it's crazy how uh, yeah, Russ Wilson uh, leaves uh, Seattle to go to Denver uh, last year. Oh, Pete Carroll's a dinosaur. He's terrible. Da 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 da. And now Sean Payton's trying to do all the things that Pete Carroll did, which is have a strong running game because a strong running game really accentuates the play-action passing game. And yeah, Russ has fallen off a cliff. Sean Payton, who of course uh, was amazing with Drew Brees for all those years, as of now Denver's 0 three. 
now, I mean, obviously, Russell Wilson's uh, he's actually been a little bit better this year passing the ball, but uh, now the defense, yeah, gives up 70 points to the Dolphins, which was absolutely ridiculous. Um, I can't say I'm too sad about uh, things going sour in Denver, especially with all the uh, draft picks they've been giving Seattle uh, with that Russell Wilson trade. Yeah, I mean, on my side, you know how I was, I, I thought, I mean, I'm kind of shocked at the fall from grace for how much Russ has declined. Uh, maybe it was the system in Seattle. I thought he was a much be- better quarterback than he's shown to be in Denver so far. Yeah, we, we had the group chat a couple of years ago like when he went to Denver, and I rem- remember saying, like, now I didn't think he was going to be that bad last year. There's no way I thought he was going to fall off a cliff that hard. But definitely in Seattle, you know, I've, I haven't missed a, a game of theirs since uh, 2004, Russ well, part of it was because he had the finger that was broken as well. But he just started to 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 lose against really bad teams, and because he is a shorter quarterback, and he's um, obviously used his mobility before. I always said once the wheels fall off for him, it's going to really fall off because he's not going to be able to run away from his uh, his uh, you know, his mistakes and such. But yeah, so I, I remember saying in the group chat, "Oh, I don't think Russ is very good." And you and everyone was like, "Come on, he's like clearly like a top five or top ten quarterback." And, yeah, he's been anything but that. But uh, thank you for that, uh, Denver, with, with all those good picks that Seattle got from that. So uh, Yeah, man, I mean, that, that, that's worked out very well for you guys. And, yeah, it is, a, it is a kind of thing for, you mentioned Sean Payton, too, who everybody, like, you know, adored as one of the greatest coaches. I mean, that is embarrassing. 70 points. And I don't even, I don't even know how Russ looked, but... You're letting 70 points, like the defense on the other team kind of like will give you whatever, right? So I don't take into account his numbers last week at all. I mean, but allowing 70 points is insane. So I think it's going to take a bit of time to figure out who's who in the AFC. But I'm not sure if Miami's defense is top level, but I think their offense is incredible. But like I said, it's just if Tua can stay healthy, it's a different story. I think that's one of the games of the week, by the way, this week. Miami and Buffalo, like that's going to be an incredible game. And there's another team to watch out for. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride, the Buffalo Bills again this year, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're uh, certainly sort of uh, very similar to the Cowboys in terms of like, okay, like can this be finally be the year? Let's get over the hump type thing. And uh, yeah, they're very talented, but they sort of find ways to get in their own way, I find, Buffalo. And we'll see how they do against Miami there. Uh, now that's going from... Uh, we're talking about the Cowboys, of course, a team that uh, is hopefully going to get over the hump for you guys, or for you anyway, not for me. I hope Seattle wins, of course, to another team that you love that also haven't been able to have that playoff success that you'd want. Uh, the hockey's uh, preseason started, and uh, the regular season starts here in a couple weeks. Uh, is this finally the year the Maple Leafs uh, do something and they finally make a deep playoff run? Do, do you like the uh, offseason moves? <laughs> Doesn't sound very optimistic in Leafland. That I, a true Leaf fan, I always say, a true Leaf fan expects the worst at every turn. Yeah, uh, I mean, you're the. Uh, yeah, I don't know what my reaction, my initial reaction, say to you. <laughs> yeah, but the, here's the thing, though. The, the reason for potential optimism, the, for so many years, the Capitals, of course, with Ovechkin and uh, you know and uh, Backstrom, they oh, they should have won. That why can't they make a deep playoff run? They couldn't even get past the second round, let alone win the cup. And then the year they finally won the cup, I would say that team wasn't as good as the previous years that were a far better team. But they won the cup that year. So perhaps all these years of knocking on the door for the Leafs, this team might not be quite as good as the, it was maybe four, four or five years ago, potentially. Maybe this is the year they knocked down the door. Uh, you know, they, of course, brought in Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi, John Klingberg, and uh, a little bit of sandpaper with uh, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I mean, I like that. 
I definitely like that aspect. I mean, oh, I've been on record and I'll go on record. I'm like so happy that Dubis is gone and we got a GM that um, I was going to, I'm trying to avoid using the words I was going to say. So <laughs> I like GM that has some guts and appreciates toughness. And, you know, if you can win in the OHL and AHL, that's one thing. You have to be tough to win in the NHL playoffs. You have to be tough. Mm -hmm. You can't just win on skill in the NHL playoffs. You cannot win the Stanley Cup based on skill. Like, show me a team that's won without being tough. And this Leafs team has not been tough enough. Definitely it's not. It hasn't been tough enough. And that's from the top down. And I don't know how Shanahan still got his job, but I'm glad that Dubis is gone. Because I like, and especially that, the way he like did his off season thing. And he's like, Oh, if I don't take a job with the Leafs, I'm going to take the whole year off. And then like five days later, he takes a job from the Penguins. That guy is such a clown. He's so phony and he's so soft. And I'm glad that that's not the top of our leadership right now, man, because it filters down. So I'm glad we got toughness in the lineup. I don't know about giving Revo three years. I mean, what is he? 36, 37 years old, mm -hmm. but now, nobody's going to mess around with your team if you got Revo there. You know what I mean? There were a couple of things in that Florida series last year that disgusted me. And I, there was no answers from the team for. So I'm glad we got him. Domi also has some sandpaper. He won't back down. I like that a lot. The Klingberg signing to me is a very interesting one. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a, that's one where, it, for some reason, Maple Leaf fans, they have to have a defenseman they hate no matter what. Uh, it, could, it could be Brian McCabe. It could be uh, Larry Murphy back in the day. It could be yeah. like Jake Gardner. Uh, there's plenty of examples. For whatever reason, there has to be Leaf fans. Justin Hall. Justin Hall. There you go. Uh, a perfect uh, more recent example. Uh, and I have a feeling, but five games into the year, Klingberg, who's more offensively uh, gifted than he is defensively gifted, I would say, uh, he's going to be uh, the new uh, defenseman that Leaf fans have scorned toward. Yeah, even Tyson Berry for the one year he yes, was here. Yes, absolutely. Was it just one year or was he here for more than that? I think it was maybe a year and like a, a year and change, I believe. And then they, they right. traded him, I, I believe, anyhow. Uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's very fascinating. I, I was in a group chat with a bunch of uh, Leaf fans, but also some Leaf haters in that chat as well. And they were talking about how the Senators are going to overtake uh, Toronto, which, they, of course, they might. They have a good young team. But it's just like they were like, oh, the, the Leaf haters were like, all Leaf fans are saying Toronto's easily going to win the division. I've never heard of one Leaf fan who's actually ever said that. All these Leaf haters, they invent storylines that Maple Leaf fans are saying. No Leaf fans are saying, we won the cup easily. It's playing the parade. Literally no Leaf fan ever. Like I told you earlier, true Leaf fans expect at every turn for them to screw up. So all these uh, fake narratives. And here's the thing. Say the Leafs were to go 82-0 and absolutely destroy the regular season. Who cares? It all matters with the playoffs, right? That's right. We don't matter. care about it. Just get to the playoffs. Who cares about how they do in the regular season as long, as long, of course, as they make the playoffs, which I think they will. It doesn't matter. Like, who cares? So anyone who in the regular season, Leaf fans, if they get super angry about regular season stuff, just wake me up in April. Yeah, I know. I agree with you. Like, we don't care. I don't care if they finish seventh in the regular season. As long as they win playoff series. So it was nice to get over one hump last year. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, it was pathetic how they went out. And look, man, I'm like, these Leaf fans that say Austin Matthews, oh, gave us a team discount. I'm like, what the hell are you guys talking about? Nathan McKinnon wins the Stanley Cup. 
He signs an eight-year deal with Colorado for $100,000 more than Connor McDavid. Austin Matthews wins a round. He doesn't score a single goal, not a single goal in five games against the Panthers. And he signs a four-year deal with $13.25 million, making seven and a quarter more than Connor McDavid. And we got a discount? People in Toronto are so worth. I love Matthews. I think he's a top five player in the league for sure. Any team, but like, we didn't get a discount. Right. Let's yeah. let's start with the discount then. Do you want to win, Austin, Mitch? Do you guys, Willie, Willie do you guys want to win? Or do you want to make the most money possible? Like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, they certainly made the only- quite a lot of money. So it's like, yeah, that's, that's win a championship here. You know, who was the best player for them in the playoffs last year? Who do you think? Because I have a no-doubter in my head. Uh, well, I'm trying to certainly uh, think back. Certainly, we, William Nylander definitely has a, a, an, uh, an amazing ability to be clutched. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, he, w- he was really good later, but he had his most. For me, start to finish, it was Morgan Riley without a doubt. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. I thought, I thought you were talking about the, amongst the forwards. Yeah, Morgan Riley was really, really good. Absolutely. Morgan Riley was phenomenal. I love that guy. I think he should be the captain of the team. He had a he had a not good regular season by his standards, but my God, did he show up in the playoffs? He eliminated Braden Point basically in the Tampa series. You know, he took his lumps. He's not like a fighter or an overly physical player, but he'll hit, which is what he did against Point. He finished, I think, third amongst defensemen in the playoffs in points last year, and he got eliminated in the second round. Wow. Yeah, he was uh, definitely raised the and level he, of his play. He scored that goal that they disallowed, that they should have counted. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you look at that goal. He went right to the attack, right to the net as a defenseman, taking it to the net. Where was Austin in that series doing that? He's taking 40-foot wrist. If the 40-foot ri- and 50-foot wristers aren't working, take the puck to the net. We didn't get a discount on Austin. Those guys got to lead the way. For us to ever win the Stanley Cup, it's got to be Austin and Mitch that lead the way. And they haven't shown it for a prolonged period in the playoffs now. So that's the biggest thing um, for me. And then the other thing is, I think our defense was maybe the best it was ever last year going into the playoffs. I think our defense is, uh, I don't know, I have questions about the defense right now. I mean, we mentioned Klingberg. Brody looked a bit off towards the end of the year, and he's been so amazing in his Leafs career. Like, He's an unsung hero of the defense because he's not flashy. He doesn't get a ton of points, but he's such a good defenseman. So I'm hoping that was a blip in the radar, but he's also getting older. older. I don't really worry about Riley. Um, I do worry about Giordano, who's 40 years old and kind of fell off in the playoffs last year after an incredible regular season. Lilia Grand needs to take a step, but I think he's all obviously progressing in the right direction. And Jake McCabe wasn't great in the playoffs either last year. So I'm a bit concerned about the D. I don't know about this forward setup that Willie's going to play center. That's that's going to last like 10 games at most. And then the, uh, at most that probably, and then they'll go back to, uh, is that what you think? Yeah. I think so then they'll put them on the wing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good to have a couple of extra lines of depth, but then, so who's our third line center then? Who, who are our centers camp in Pontus Holmberg? I, I, I do like Camp as like a penalty killer, but yeah, I wouldn't want him necessarily as a third line center. Fourth line center, totally fine. But uh, he's a great. I think he's a, a great fourth line center. 
probably a below average third line center. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They, they certainly have some question marks there. Uh, Toronto and, they're and, over the, and they're over the cap still. Right. Yeah. It's, Even uh, with the LCIR. So I don't know um, if they got to send Timmins down or like play with a, like basically just 12 forwards, six defensemen and two goalies. That's all they can carry. Or if there's another move to be made. So I thought they'd trade if they couldn't extend Willie. I thought they'd trade him and they didn't. Um, so I don't know. We'll see, man. It's hard for me. Like it's just, uh, you get destroyed as a Leaf fan year after year. Um, and yeah, I loved it when they won that first round. I went, Crazy when Tavares scored that goal. And a shot, Tavares behind the net. Coming out in front, Jock scores! Jock Tavares! They finally caught lightning in the bottle! And the Maple Leafs have broken the 19 year curse! But, uh, it was a big slap in the face when we lost, uh, we went down 3 nothing to Florida, and basically the season was done so quickly. I will say this. We did get goalied a couple to- a couple games. And I remember, like, Carlo Koliakovo going on Twitter and saying, they didn't get goalied. They need to play more. I'm like, um, this is actually the de- definition of getting goalied. Bobrovsky is playing, like, his goal saved above expected in the first three games of the Leaf series. Probably the entirety of the series was absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. Like, he was on a different level. So, um, I don't know what Cole Yacobo was talking about there. I know you work with him, so I won't say anything more. But <laughs> they did they did deserve a bit better, but sometimes you just got to make your luck in the playoffs and force the issue, too. Yeah, it uh, certainly was uh, quite difficult uh, for them to get over the hump. Hopefully, they finally <laughs> do this year. Uh-huh. It's the top guys, man. It's the top guys for me, Hound Dog. Like, yep. it's got to be. And Willie did show it in spurts, but so did Austin in the Tampa series, too. He just didn't score against Florida. Willie was better against the Panthers, but he went missing a bit against Tampa. But that's not magnified as much because they won in six games. Um, but it's got to be Austin. It's got to be Mitch. It's got to be Willie. It's got to be Riley, and Riley did do it throughout the playoffs last year, but it's got to be those other three guys carrying them, like pushing them to the next level. And they haven't shown me they can do it in the playoffs yet. They haven't. As good as 60 goals and 100 points regular seasons and 70 assists in the regular seasons and 40 and 90 for Willie is, it doesn't matter, man. What matters is that you have the heart and determination and are willing to get hit and destroyed and get punched in the face and not punch back. It's being like Crosby, man. Do you have like what Crosby has? I don't see it yet from those guys because they haven't shown it to me. That's a winner. That is a winner. Sidney Crosby, man. No question about that. Yeah, it's, uh, it is funny how Leaf fans for so many years uh, would always be bashing Marner, uh, rightfully so, in the playoffs for him not performing yet. For some reason, for the most part, Austin Matthews skated, pun intended, off of, off of that controversy or, or, or scorn. But now, certainly now, Leaf fans, start, like, as you said, and so true, have started to be like, no, it's also him. It's not just Mitch Marner who's uh, underperforming the playoffs. It's kind of funny how finally, uh, you know, fans are starting to notice that. So, Yeah, because we all love Austin, right? He's, he's arguably the best player we've seen in a Leafs jersey in our lifetime, right? Yep. Like, the... Nobody else could do the type of things that he does on the ice. So we all love Austin. So we don't want to dog him because we haven't had a player like this. But when people go crazy with the Austin Matthews, I'm like, hold up, guys. 
He didn't score a single goal in five games in the second round. He's the highest paid player in the league. He didn't score a single goal in five games in the second round when we needed him. Needed him? No, he's got to be better. He's got to be better. No doubt about that. I couldn't have said that any better myself. No no doubt. Uh, well, from uh, one Toronto sports team to another. So as of this recording, the MLB regular season, still four games to go. So by the time it comes out, depending on when it uh, is edited by uh, Grant Roberts, uh, they may have already made the playoffs, the Blue Jays, or they may have missed the playoffs. So we should do a record as if they've missed or record as if they've uh, made the playoffs. So it's more fun to talk about if the Jays somehow choke this away. We'll do that first. You're out! Man, the Blue Jays, how the hell did they choke to lose this uh, playoff spot? They were gifted a playoff spot, and they just they just didn't want it. It's like, I mean, you had Seattle, Houston, and Texas all playing each other. So you had these teams getting guaranteed losses. You don't score a single run in your first two games of the series against the Yankees. Not a single one. Vladdy in that opener, bases loaded, mm-hmm. three and one count, two outs. He looks at two strikes. Through his three and oh count, actually. He looked at all three strikes. Was it three and oh? Yep. Yeah, he he looked, didn't, didn't take the bat off his shoulder. Horrible. Horrible. What? And then he had a double play later into the game. It's just, uh, it's mind boggling, man. Absolutely mind boggling. And. You know, on the Blue Jays broadcast, they keep on referencing 1987, which we were super young, don't really remember. Or I don't even know, were you born? I was, I was 85, but yeah, I definitely do not remember okay. that uh, choke. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, but I've read all about it, like, you know, like, and everything. They, like, don't really remember that really well, but they lost, I think, their last seven games. I think all they needed to do was win one or two of their last seven, and they would have got a playoff spot, and uh, they lost their last seven games. And this is comparable to that, if not worse. Yeah, I mean, you had automatic losses coming, and pitching staff unbelievable this year. The top guys, Vladdy, uh, Springer, who I really like, Springer, Matt Chapman. Oof. What what happened to Oof. Matt Chapman? He, he, I mean, he always has been a big strikeout guy, but it looks like he has this professional approach. He's in a contract year. The first month in April, he was just dominating. It was like this guy yes. making the most of a contract year, and then ever since, I think he's been hitting like. He hit like 200 or something, like really, really awful. Uh, so, so bad. And yeah, yeah very, like very Matt Chapman, you're right. He's probably batting about, he had five homers and I think 13 or 14 RBIs in before May. Since then, he's got 10 homers since the start of May, 10 homers, under 40 RBIs. And he's batting about 200. It's been awful. It's just a really bizarre year uh, for the Jays. Like, you know, they they win some games and then they got swept in four at home to Texas, which was just like, oh my. Like, they got just absolutely pumped in those four games. Everyone's saying the season's over. I was like, nope, there's still a bunch of games left. It's not over. Then they go on this amazing run. Was it, I think, seven and two against AL East teams uh, and AL East teams that they've horrifically struggled against this year. Yeah. And then, of course, they come back six games to go, and they uh, and they blow it. So it, it's it's a very very bizarre Jays team this year. Yeah, and I went to I only went to one Jay game this year. I went a couple weeks ago. I went with your boy Johnny Blaze, who you might remember from TSN days, and seeing you on the street with the Karadakis brothers. Yes, yes. Um, and we win. went to a game, and it was the Texas series, mm. which to me I thought that was the nail in the coffin. But after that, like you said, they rattled off. Uh, seven of nine or something against AL East opponents, but they got swept at home four in a row by Texas. 
it's like at that point, honestly, I was like, they don't deserve to make the playoffs. You, you, once you think you figure the team out, you, 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 you can't figure it out. The, the whole year has been like that. Yeah. I mean, that, I went to a game, they lost 10 nothing. The offense is an, was anemic this year. Anemic. If it wasn't for the young guys when they came up and gave a boost, the Davis Schneiders, the Ernie Clements, uh, I'm missing with Spencer Horowitz. If it wasn't for those guys and the little boost they gave the team, especially Schneider that Terry was on. I know he has, doesn't have a hit in his last like 30 at-bats or something, but I mean, he was leading them to wins for a while. Without him, we would have been screwed. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, it, without him, they would have been far out of the race. And like, why isn't Vladdy or Springer or Chapman or, I mean, Bo was hurt. Bo out of all of them's had the most decent year, I think. But, mm-hmm. and look, Vladdy didn't have a terrible year. But by his standards, it's a really bad year. And he hasn't been clutch. It, yeah, the numbers at the end of the year won't be bad with Vladdy. But at the same time, it's just like, what? Yeah, like it's, it's a couple years ago golf down. Yeah, I will. 48 homers. That was the and year where it wasn't. 31 last year. And this year, he's not even going to finish. He didn't even finish with 30. Yeah, it's uh, basically that that was the year where they were in non-major league ballparks for some of it. So I saw some tweet recently. It was like, Vladi in actual major league ballparks, uh, not uh, not super great, like fairly pedestrian, actually. So he had did have a bit of a, a stretch of going really well. So uh, it, it, it is very confounding. Well, now, now Yeah, his, uh, his OPS is under 800. Like, that's not... I, that's you got to be better, like absolutely. Anyway, well now let's talk as if the Blue Jays did make the playoffs here. Mm. Oh my God, this team—they got in the playoffs, baby. The Blue Jays. Here we go. They actually legitimately, I honestly feel, if they make it, uh, well, now that they have made it, of course, that they actually can be a team that is built to win in the postseason. A phenomenal pitching staff. Bullpen's really, really good. Uh, defense is uh, way better than it was last year. And if it could yes. just get some timely hitting, they could have gone on a postseason run. Yeah, I mean, they rated the ship enough to to make the playoffs, right? So, I mean, I think the pitching, I mean, Gossman is a beast. I mean, as long as you get him one run, he'll probably win you the game. But it's been a struggle for the Jays to get him one run in a lot of the games he's pitched. Um, that guy's a beast. I love this staff. I love Chris Bassett. He's a professional, man. Mm-hmm. Isn't he such a professional? He just goes out there every fifth day and gives you six, seven innings for most of the time and uh, doesn't do anything yeah. super flashy, but it gets the job done. Yep. Barrios and Kikuchi, both huge bounce back seasons. Love the way they both. I mean, I just think um, they have great defense. I agree with you. I just hope the hitting, they need that timely clutch hitting from their big guys when it comes through. So that's what I'm fearful of because I haven't seen it all year. Yeah. So you can't depend on. You can't depend on Brandon Belts and Whit Merrifield and Davis Schneider to come up with your big hits. It's got to be Vladdy. It's got to be Bichette. It's got to be Springer. You know what I mean? I mean, I want to say it's got to be Chapman, but I almost lost hope for Chapman, to be honest with you, man. Yeah. it's. Uh, I'm it's almost amazing. like, I've almost lost hope with that guy. Springer's proven before that he is a playoff performer. Um, I don't know if he knew which pitch he was going out, getting all those times when he was a clutch playoff performer, and I know he's not knowing the pitches anymore. So I got to throw that. Sorry, I got to throw that out there. Yeah, of course, of course, um, obviously, right? Yeah. So I just worry. I mean, usually in the playoffs, pitching and defense is huge, and obviously over the last decade or so, especially over the last five years, the bullpen's huge. 
Offensively, I'm scared. I'm not, I don't know about the bullpen either, to be honest with you. But I think defense and pitching, they're very solid. So they got a chance. I mean, they got a chance. You get in the, the race, two out of three is nothing. Any team can have two good games, right? And then uh, you got a chance, you know? So glad they just got there. But uh, I don't know, man. They haven't done it enough to convince me that they can be a serious contender. For sure. Well, there's, there's two things I'd, I'll earmark. If if Jordan Romano comes in a game and isn't uh, in a safe situation, he's been very, very, well, absolutely not borderline. He has been elite the last few years. For whatever reason, it's strange. Whenever he comes into a game where he doesn't have a safe situation, not sure why, and, and perhaps this is a, a case with other closers as well. I don't actually know the stats on that, but he just really, really seems to struggle with that, which is bizarre. So if they can just give him safe situations, they'll be good for sure. And the other player that I've earmarked, uh, he's sort of a bit of a lightning rod because of the, of the trade, off-season trade with Arizona, Dalton Varsho, mm-hmm. elite, 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 plus, plus, plus defender. Obviously, he's only been hitting 210, 220 this year, which has been very, very frustrating. I've been down on him as a hitter. He's been certainly yeah. better in September and, and had some clutch hits. For some reason, he seems like a, a gamer to me, a type of guy who will maybe lay down a bunt when you don't, don't expect it to have a huge play, obviously amazing defensively. I think he's got something in his bat that's a little bit more that he could, he just, for some reason, he, he seems like a playoff hero type to me. Hopefully I'm right. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he hasn't, uh, he's had a very bad year defensive. I mean, offensively, that's for sure. Definitely with him and Kiermaier, I mean, huge pluses defensively, like for our defense, like our defense, especially in the outfield is so much better. I think Bo's taking a step defensively too. So the defense all around is way better, but he's a great defensive player. But I, I didn't, I'll be straight up with you. I did not know much about this player before this season. Same. He had a pretty good offensive season last year by the statistics, and he hasn't this year. So we'll see. I mean, I think, I, I don't know. Another person I don't believe in is the manager, John Schneider. But yeah. you got to... You got to work that lineup. You got to weigh defense versus offense. I know David Schneider has been struggling. That's a guy I'd, I'd try and find to get in the lineup, to be honest with you. Um, I know he struggled down the stretch. I think he, you know, like gets a, gets his at-bats late in the season. And like, because obviously after his struggles, they sat him for a few games. And then you got to weigh whether, you know, mixing up the outfield and sitting Varsho is... Better to get, like, the bat of Schneider in the lineup, you know what I mean, and shifting somebody else to the outfield because, I don't know. I don't know if his defensive acumen makes up for his offensive, you know, inefficiency with Varsho at this point. But we'll see. I mean, I mean, there's going to be decisions to be made, and John Schneider's going to be highly scrutinized because he's made some... Very uh, questionable decisions throughout the year. And last year as well in the playoffs. It's certainly, yeah, Schneider, I'm not yeah. a huge, huge fan of, but uh, obviously if they win games, people uh, might change on that. Yeah, actually, I, I want to make note about, you mentioned about Bichette's defense being much better. Uh, I looked actually yesterday, uh, his stats, the, the last couple of years, uh, I think it was like 24 errors and 23 errors uh, defensively this year eight errors so it's a he's a wow. marked improvement uh, defensively and i would say i'm not sure for sure on this i know i remember i think it was may he had a absolutely brutal uh wild throw to first to lose a game against philly uh but i would say a lot of his errors were earlier in the year so he's been much better at that so yeah i think he's been much better but for me it's uh i mean virtual's out of the lineup to start to be honest i'm putting schneider 
starting him at second base, I'll put Merrifield in the outfield. Like, yeah, I don't know if I'd still be starting. We'll see. I, as much as he doesn't hit for average, Danny Jansen's been great, like, you know, powerful the last couple of years. So I hope he's uh, back early in the playoffs, like, or for the playoffs, because I think they miss him a bit. And yeah. I think catching every day is, uh, you know, wears on Alejandro, who also has not had a good offensive year. His He's yeah. taken a step back offensively. So Big time he's good to get Jansen back, too. And no, no, without question, he's a Jansen's really good. Yeah, that's part of the reason why they traded uh, Gabriel Moreno, who's been having a great year to Arizona for Dal- Dalton Varsho, because you expected Alejandro Kirk to uh, have that sort of uh, offensive season, or, or at least close to it anyway. And he definitely hasn't. And Jansen, when he's healthy, is really, really good. But unfortunately, he's been bitten by the injury bug uh, a lot uh, the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, a lot of their guys are just having like, like a lot of them, Vladdy. A lot of their regulars, Vladdy, Kirk, Bichette, even though I think Bichette's been fine, he's taken it, he's not as good as last season. Springer, Chapman, I mean, those are five regulars and like five guys that might be hitting like in your top top four out of those five guys in your batting order that take have taken a step back. Mm-hmm. So you're not gonna win like that. Right? As much as pitching and defense are Im- important. You need some clutch hits, and it can't just come from Brandon Belt. Yeah, it's hopefully a small sample size. That is the playoffs. They can have a couple. It'll be I mean, hopefully hitting can be contagious, and the Blue Jays can be on a collision course with your actually your number one team, your number one love, the Atlanta Braves. Uh, my God, they've been just. I, I can't say I watch a ton of Atlanta Braves baseball games, but uh, obviously led by uh, former Jays GM Alex Anthopoulos. They've been ridiculously good. And, uh, yeah, talk about how uh, amazing them and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. has been this year. What a contrast between two teams, huh? Ridiculous. I, I, man, Atlanta's just like they're, – they're back to being Atlanta from the 90s, just, uh, just winning every single game. Yeah. The Jays aren't going to have 130 – Jays didn't have 130 homer player this year. Atlanta had five. <laughs> five. And – and, None of those guys finished with 30. Like, the lowest guy. They have, I mean, Ozuna and Austin Riley, 37 homer. Like, they could get to 40 before the end of the year. And Acuna and Olsen, Acuna has 41 and Olsen has 53 bombs. Albies brings up the rear at 33. They got another couple guys in Eddie Rosario, who was a hero for the Braves in the playoffs a couple years ago in the NLCS. He's got 21 bombs. And Sean Murphy, who's a part-time catcher because he shares the duties with Travis Darnot, even though he's the starter, he's at 21. If he had played a full season, he'd have 32. It's uh, and obviously, like I, like I mentioned, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. I know you wanted. Oh to my god! Just how uh, just ridiculous how uh, how he's played this year. You know, baseball's fallen off in the in terms of interest. I feel over the past decade or two decades in North America, but. If this guy was having this season in the 90s, this would be people, this would be like front page lead show news every night. This guy has 40 plus homers, 100 plus RBIs. He has the most, he has 146 runs scored with three, with four games left. No player, he has the most runs scored in a single season since Steroid Sammy scored 146 like over 20 years ago for the Cubbies. And Steroid Sammy Sosa. Nobody's scored 146 runs. And I think he has a chance out of 150 runs scored before the year's over. 
last guy to do that was like Jeff Bagwell in the 2000 season. So this guy is going to score the most runs in over 20 years. 40 plus homers. 40-40 guy. He's actually a 40-70 guy. Only the fifth guy to become a 40-40 guy. Can you name the other four? Can you name a couple? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, uh, first of all, I was going to say, yeah, 70 stolen bases. That's uh, that's what the yeah, the second number is for those who might not be the biggest baseball fans. So, yeah, 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases. That's just absolutely stupid. And in terms of yeah. filibustering here, in terms of the uh, the other four names, uh, oof. well, Barry Bonds certainly would be one of them. Barry Bonds is one, that's for sure, yeah. What uh, what are we saying for the other ones? We're looking. Uh, the first guy to do it was in the late '80s. You know, as, as he he has steroids in common with Barry Bonds. Another person was, uh, you know, in the early in Bonds' later years, but in his beginning years. Um, so in the 2000s, um, lots of steroids for him as well. And interestingly enough, that player actually got traded for a player who was the other and most unknown 40-40 guy. Um, who started with the Yankees, then went to Texas, and I think he did it with uh, the Nationals. So it was one guy in the Oakland A's in the late 80s. Barry Bonds, who you got. Was Rick, Ricky Henderson? No, he no, never Mark, hit 40. Mark, Mark, no, 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 no. Jose Canseco. Jose Canseco was the first 40-40 man. Yes. 1988. Yes. The other guy, um, and the other, you got Bonds. The other two guys were actually traded for each other. Um, New York, Yankees, and Texas. Oh gosh, I'm not sure. I'm sure once, of course, you'll say the name of it. Oh, of course, obviously. But uh, one of the guys is a big steroid guy, huge steroid guy. <laughs> loves the steroids. Well, uh, I mean, yeah, that, that, <laughs> I think that's what makes what Ronald Acuna is doing even more phenomenal. That's why I bring it up. There's only one guy. So the other two guys are A Rod, who you would have oh, gotten. Of course. Oh my God. Of course. Yes. 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 And the other guy who was partly was part of the trade to bring him to the Yankees. Do you know who that is? Uh, so you're saying he's like sort of the, the lesser known a little bit uh, player? One of the five guys for sure he's the lesser known. Is uh, uh, Second Alfonso, baseman. Alfonso Soriano? Got it. Alfonso oh. Soriano. So Redeem myself a he, bit there. He is the only guy out of those, other than Acuna, who we're not sure. Like, he probably didn't do roids. But obviously A-Rod, Bonds, and Conseco, they're all, I guess Bonds is still denying it somehow. But, like, whatever. But that makes what Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing even more phenomenal, I think. 40, and he's not 40-40, he's 40-70. That's just... And he plays stunning. amazing defense. He's got over 200 hits. What he's doing, if you combine 40-plus homers, 100-plus RBIs, 100-plus runs scored, 200-plus hits, 40-plus stolen bases, 330-plus... He's batting 336. <laughs> this has never been done before. This yes. has never been done before. And they got a couple... In, Big injuries to big pitchers on their pitching staff that concern me with Charlie Morton and Max Freed. If those guys are healthy, if they can get it done, why want them? Acuna tore his ACL a couple years ago when the Braves won the World Series. So he can't, I mean, he was a part of the team, obviously. He played till July or whatever. But it's not the same when you're not playing the games. Mm -hmm. So I wanted so much for him. I also wanted so much for Anthopolis because he actually couldn't be on the field when they celebrated the World Series because he got diagnosed with COVID and they wouldn't let him on the field to celebrate the championship. Wow, yeah. I forgot, I forgot so that, I yeah. wanted so much for these guys, especially Acuna. He's such a great kid. I mean, he's only 25 years old, man. He's only 25 years old. Like, this guy is just having an unbelievable... He's so fun to watch, too. I don't know if you caught it yesterday when he stole his seven, 70th base. 
He picked up the bass a la Ricky Henderson when he broke Lou Brock's record, and he was so excited. Today, I'm the greatest of all time. Thank you. I'm just so happy for the kid. He's such an amazing player. He's so fun to watch, man. And if this was like, you know, baseball's fallen off in terms of interest in uh, North America in the last 10, 20 years. If this was the 90s, this guy would be the lead of the show every night. You know what I mean? And he's doing everything the right way. He's such a classy kid. Amazing defensive player, too. So happy for him. Just an incredible season. One of the best baseball seasons I've ever seen from a player ever, especially when you take into the context, he's not doing it with performance-enhancing drugs, which, you know, is something like, I really like hated with that era of baseball. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's uh, amazing. And who knows? Potentially, you never know. It Imagine a Braves Jays World Series say, 1992 yeah. all over again. And then they meet. And of course, hopefully the Blue Jays uh, win uh, as well on that one, at least for me anyway. Yeah. Uh, that would be, uh, that'd be, and, and I will say, as much as I love the Braves, I was cheering for the Jays in that World Series. And if by some miracle, the Jays, if they meet up again this year, I'm probably going to be cheering for the Jays. I won't be upset, though, like most Jays fans will be if they don't win. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, Atlanta certainly going into the playoffs anyway. It definitely has a look of, like, how on earth can they lose? But it's a play baseball playoffs. Anything can happen. Uh, so you yeah, but know. and playoff baseball is amazing. So if you're watching one, obviously, three days and three games a night when it starts, you're watching one game a day other than the Jays golf down. Make sure you're watching the Braves, bro, because they're fun to watch. They absolutely are, and they yeah, they're a very very exciting team to watch. Uh, well, I'll close out here uh, the sports talk, and then we'll talk about uh, uh, you being a the hotshot mortgage uh, agent. But basically, breaking news pretty much a day after uh, as of this recording, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks uh, getting um, Dame Lillard. Uh, what do you think of that trade? Yeah, I mean, I was like, I was I was kind of stunned. Um, I didn't. Uh, I mean, I guess they were always an option, but I didn't think, I didn't think he was going to Milwaukee. I mean, I think it's, I mean, that's awesome for them. Uh, no offense to Drew Holiday, but personally too, like, I really like Dame Lillard. I think he's a wicked player. Um, so like, there's a lot of great players that I don't like in the NBA. I really like this guy. I think he's a gamer mm -hmm. and I think he wants to win. And he'll do anything that it takes to win. I think he's devoid of ego when it comes to the team winning. So I think it's wicked for the Bucks. I also think that deal kind of... I know people are like ripping on Phoenix, but I don't think they had depth before. And I don't think they really needed DeAndre Ayton. I don't think he fit their situation. So with Bradley Beal, they added in the offseason. And they got three guys that can play now out of this trade where they really just lost De um, DeAndre Ayton, who's a starter. So they got Nurkic, who will play. Um, they got Grayson Allen, who will play off the bench. And I can't stand the guy, but he can play. And uh, who am I missing? They got one other player, a player that'll play off the bench. Can't remember right now off the top of my head. Oh, Nazir Little. So also I'm partial to Nazir Little because I'm a Tar Heels fan and he went to North Carolina. Only been in the league for a few years. Hasn't really proven himself, only played about 20 minutes a game, probably max. But he's a guy that can play. So they're getting players. Phoenix's problem was depth. So they're getting some depth now, too. So watch out for Phoenix. I think they're going to benefit from the deal, too. They got three players that can play for one player that's a starter in DeAndre Ayton, who I don't think, you know, in the playoffs, he did, he's just not it. You know what I mean? So... 
good deal for both teams, even though I'd love to see the Suns fall flat on their face because I can't, I can't stand Kevin Durant. Um, and, you know, they're trying to make these super teams. But I like the way Milwaukee, I mean, Milwaukee, I guess, is a super team now, too, with Yanni and Dame and uh, Chris Middleton. You know, Dame's a superstar. Drew Holiday wasn't a superstar. Dame's a superstar. So um, I think they definitely got, they're definitely the front runners in the East right now. And uh, obviously I'm partial to the Bucks. I mean, I'd like the Raptors. There were rumors he was going to go to the Raptors, Dame, but uh, I would have rather he went there. But I love Yanni, obviously. So um would like to see him win another championship. That would be awesome. But I think that's, the Suns also got some benefit from this deal too. But a lot of people are... Uh, ripping on the Suns and uh, saying that all the players they got are garbage. So we'll see, though. They got guys that can actually play where before they really had no bench. So, and If I'm not mistaken, uh, those two teams met in the NBA final a couple years ago, right? The Bucks and Suns, I think? Uh, That's right. So That's right. They knocked out Devin Booker. Uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have a, a repeat finals uh, after that trade. That'd that that would be interesting. I didn't even think about that. That would be interesting, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, uh, this has been obviously an amazing uh, discussion. My goodness, we could have talked for another three hours uh, easily. I could talk to you all day and the night, Golf Town. <laughs> uh, I, I, like I said, I uh, mentioned that you're the uh, your uh, mortgage agent. Uh, talk to uh, tell us about where uh, if people want to contact you about that, where they could find uh, George Nasios. Yeah, obviously not the best time for people that are you know, rates are sky high and they keep on going high. But if you need any advice or are concerned about anything to do with your mortgage, it's coming up for renewal or you're thinking about purchasing a place and wondering how much you qualify for. Um, you can uh, my website is www.georgenass.com. My email and my company is SafeBridge Financial Group. So my email is pretty simple too. It's G. And then my last name, Nasios, N-A-S-S-I-O-S, Gnasios at safebridgefinancial.com. That's Gnasios at safebridgefinancial.com. Or you can get go to my website and find my contact info there. That's www.georgenas.com. And uh, even though it's difficult times, we always work to find the best solution to help all our clients out. And that's what I'm here to do. So any questions at all, I welcome all calls. Remember, don't wait till like a month for renewal, man. Reach out like four or five months in advance because that's when you find out the best options for you because so many people in this market they wait till the last month and they if they had reached out three months earlier i would have got them a much lower rate okay that's a, that's amazing advice so uh yeah certainly uh certainly just stay on that man because people don't realize the amount of money that it's costing them if they if they wait and the rate the rates are right now so high like every dollar you can save is huge you know what i mean well, that's amazing, and uh, also amazing. You have your own website. That's so neat. Uh, I need to get on that because it just it just seems just cool to say, yeah, I have my own website. So yeah, <laughs> uh, that's uh, amazing stuff, uh, George. Thank you so much for this uh, podcast. It's been uh, electric. Thank you, Hound Dog. Go, go, Cowboys. Go, Leafs. Go, Braves. Go, Jays. And go, Seahawks. Bang, <laughs> brother. That was tons of fun chopping it up with George Nasios about our introduction as colleagues. Just what on earth happened to the Dallas Cowboys in Week Three? plus discussing if the Maple Leafs will finally win the Stanley Cup and the Blue Jays and Braves' postseason aspirations. Like we said, it truly is amazing how quickly time flies. Definitely grab every moment while you can, which perhaps will entail grabbing a John Daly drink. It's a spiked Arnold Palmer with vodka, iced tea, and lemonade. After all, Daly is the impetus, good word, for me naming the 95th episode after him, following his victory at the 1995 Open Championship. 
Thank you for listening to this 95th episode of the H-Dog Pod. Oh, we're getting close to the 100th episode milestone. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael Houndog Harrison. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang. Mm, bang.